Sermon 11 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Surely you be saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not by works lest any man might boast. For we be his workmanship created in Jesus Christ to good works which God hath prepared for us to walk in, St. Paul hath showed heretofore that our salvation is the true looking-glass wherein to behold the infinite glory of God, for it is his will to be known by his goodness above all things. And for that cause also hath he showed that God chose us before the making of the world, albeit not in respect of anything that could be found in us, but to contend his own only mercy. Here, therefore, he concludeth that matter, and showeth what he meant when he told us that our adoption hangeth and proceedeth of God's choosing of us in his own everlasting purpose, that is to wit, to the intent we should be, as it were, clean defaced, and confess that whatsoever we be, and whatsoever goodness we have, we hold it all wholly of God, and of his only free goodness. That is the cause why he saith that we be saved by grace, not of ourselves, but by God's gift, and not by works." it had been enough to have excluded all the goodness and virtue that man could imagine but forasmuch as it is hard to beat down the pride whereto we be too much given st paul rehearseth this matter again to the end it might be the better understood and confirmed more at large and therewithal we have to mark how he matcheth faith against it as well to show the means whereby to come to our salvation as also to bewray the better that men bring not aught of their own but that whatsoever they have need of, they must beg it at God's hand. For faith beateth down and abolisheth all men's presumings of their own deserts, as we have seen more at length in the epistle to the Galatians. For there St. Paul showed that faith supplieth the room of works, because we be all of us condemned. And indeed there is none other righteousness than to obey God's commandments in all perfection but no man dischargeth himself of them and therefore we are all accursed before god and so god must be fain to succour us by his goodness and when we receive by faith the grace that is offered us in the gospel we confess therewithal that we have need of jesus christ because there is nothing but forlornness in ourselves also when as he saith in this text that it is by faith he showeth that if comparison be made between God and men, we must come, as it were, stark naked, and there must be nothing in us but shame and abashment, until God have taken us to mercy. Now, to confirm those things, he addeth that we be God's workmanship, and that he hath fashioned us in Jesus Christ, to the end we should walk in the good works which he hath prepared. This is all one, as if he should say, it must needs be that God prevented us of his own mere grace, for what can we do? seeing we be as rotten carrions till God have renewed us again by the power of his Holy Spirit. So then, if a man intend to find any good in himself, he must not seek it in his own nature, nor in his former birth, for there is nothing but corruption. But God must be fain to shape us new again, before we can have any one drop of goodness in us. Since it is so, we must needs conclude that our salvation hath not any other spring nor any other fountain than God's only mercy, seeing we cannot by any means help ourselves. Thus ye see in effect what St. Paul meant to say. Yet notwithstanding, let us mark that here he not only intendeth to show 
that we have partly need of God's grace and to be succored by the same because there is some infirmity and lack in ourselves, but also quite scrapeth out all that ever men can surmise in themselves concerning their own deserving worthiness and good works. So showeth he that we be utterly unprofitable and that our salvation is not only furthered by God, but also that it is begun, continued, and perfected or finished by him without any furtherance on our own behalf. And that is the very thing that is expressed by these words, you be saved by grace and not of yourselves. It is certain that here St. Paul matcheth God against men, and to maintain the right that belongeth to him, he showeth that when we have alleged all that ever we can, yea, even the things that seem to be most ours, all of it vanisheth into smoke. For St. Paul speaketh not here of some piece of deserving or worthiness, but saith flatly, not of yourselves. For St. Paul speaketh not here of some piece of deserving or worthiness, but saith flatly, not of yourselves. As if he should say, when men set up their bristles never so much, and imagine to bring something or other wherewith to make God beholden to them, it will be found that there is nothing but confusion in them, from the crown of their head to the sole of their foot. Therefore, let us mark well, first, that St. Paul meant here to put away quite all the glory and loftiness of man, that only God might be exalted. And he thinks it not enough to say that God is our Saviour, for that speech had been but darksome. But when, as he saith, that it is of grace, that is to say, of God's free gift, he showeth that he seeketh not the cause elsewhere than in him. And that is the cause why in the second member of the sentence he setteth down gift, and on the contrary part saith that our works can do nothing at all. We see then that forasmuch as we can do nothing of ourselves, God uttereth his mere free goodness to our salvation, and that if we think ourselves to be any help or furtherance thereunto, it is a defrauding of God of his right, which is an intolerable traitorousness by means whereof we deserve to be bereft of that which we have received. For since we can by no means make God any recompense, we ought at leastwise to yield him homage for the things that we hold of his mere goodness, and when he seeth us so humbled, he is contented with that pure and simple confession of ours. But if there be such unthankfulness in us as to take upon us the thing that belongeth peculiarly to him, surely it is a just punishment if he utterly shake us off, like as the man that holdeth scorn to do fealty and homage for his land is rightly diffused of it. Now, if in these corruptible things of the world and in things of final value the party be punished which withholdeth the doing of his duty to him whom he is bound unto, what shall become of us when we fall to stepping into God's place by challenging to ourselves the praise of our salvation and will needs dispossess him of his right? Is it not a devilish outrage which maketh us worthy to be utterly damned? So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to mark well the thing that is said in this strain, which is that we be saved by grace, and that we do nothing at all to it, but that God giveth us all that ever belongeth to our salvation. And why? Because we can do nothing at all. We have neither good works nor deserts to allege for ourselves. Furthermore, this speech is well worth the weighing when he saith, lest any man might boast. For thereupon we have to gather that it is not enough for us to father some part of our salvation upon God, but that we must come to that point and yield so far as not to make any countenance to it at all, 
but abide to have all our own glory so abased, as only God may have all preeminence, as we have seen in other texts, and especially in the place of Jeremiah, where it was alleged that God is not glorified as he ought to be, neither is it possible for us to glory in him, till all that ever we think ourselves to have of our own be cast down and done away. For neither the virtue, nor the wisdom, nor the ability, nor the righteousness of man must be put forth, if we intend that God should keep still that which is his own, and which he reserveth to himself. Now therefore we see that all the partnerships which the world would make with God are but fond dotages, yea, and illusions of Satan, who laboureth to make us believe that we are able to do somewhat of ourselves, to the intent to pluck us thereby quite and clean from our God. For so long as a man imagineth himself to have any one drop of goodness of his own, he will never give over himself unto God, but be puffed up with vain presumption, and rest upon himself. Satan, therefore, hath won much at our hands when he hath once persuaded us that we be able to do anything of ourselves, or that we can make any means to attain to salvation. For his drift is to make us leave the seeking of the things in God which God offereth us and by that means we abide empty still according to the virgin mary's song where it is said that such as are so filled with overweening shall abide still hungry and god will laugh their vain presumption to scorn then can we not be fed with god's grace except we long for it and feel our own lack according to this saying of the psalm open thy mouth and i will fill it so then let us mark well that men shall then be disposed to receive at god's hand all that is requisite for their salvation, when they reserve nothing to themselves, but acknowledge that all self-boasting must be put away. And, as I said afore, by that means the partnerships which the world pretendeth to make with God do fall to the ground, for the papists are driven to confess that without God's help they can do nothing, and that they be too weak to withstand Satan, if they be not strengthened by the Holy Ghost. They can find in their hearts to grant that they cannot deserve aught at all, except God supply their wants, and also that they have need of the forgiveness of their sins. But yet for all that they cannot abide to give over their free will, but imagine verily that they can partly further themselves. Thereupon they are always building of some desert, and although they grant that God's grace prevent them at the first, yet they always mingle therewith some endeavour and good will of their own, and when they flee unto God for release of their sins, they bring him their own satisfactions for the same. And so ye see that the papists will not in any wise freely and wholly yield and give over unto God the praise of their salvation, but keep back some part of it, commonly the one half or more, to themselves. But St. Paul passeth further here, and showeth that we do wrongfully always defraud and bereave God of his glory, till we have forgotten all the false opinions wherewith the world deceiveth itself. Therefore the only way for us to glorify God is to acknowledge that we be nothing of ourselves, and so humility or lowliness is not a feigning or false pretense, as many suppose, which think themselves to have contented God by saying in one word that they be wretched sinners and as weak as is possible. But we must be fully resolved that all ever man imagine in their own brains concerning deserts, free will, preparation, help or satisfaction is every whit but leasing and trumpery of Satan. When we once know this, then will we submit ourselves as we ought to do, and then shall God keep his estate as he deserveth, and we shall yield him such honour as is due to him. And this cannot be done, as I said, unless all that ever men conceive and imagine concerning good works, wherewith to deserve well at God's hand, be utterly raised out. Moreover, let us mark therewithal that if we will be partakers of the salvation that God offereth us, we must bring nothing with us but only faith. 
For, as is said in another place, faith taketh no help of good works. Although it have record of the law, yet doth it not bring aught unto God, whereby to bind him unto us, but rather witnesseth that we be utterly emptied, and that we have none other hope than only in his free goodness. But like as a man that is pinched with great distress, so as he can scarcely stir a finger, and hath nothing but his tongue to cry out, alas, that some body would help me and pity me. Even so must faith rid away all the overweening which we have in ourselves, that we may receive whatsoever God offereth us, so as all the praise thereof be reserved unto him. That therefore is the thing that we have to bear away. And hereby we be warned not to be unthankful when God calleth and allureth us so gently, but to run unto him as poor hungry souls, and to have an earnest mind to be succoured at his hand, because it pleaseth him. For what is the cause that our Lord Jesus Christ profiteth not a great number, but for that they have deaf ears when God encourageth them to come to him? And verily some of them are so beast-like that they pass not for the heavenly life, so they have here whereof to feed and to drink like swine, and wherewith to wallow in their own delights and pleasures. As for the spiritual goods which we ought to labour for, they be nothing with them. Ye see then that the one sort shut God out of the doors, because they be dulled with the allurements of Satan, and drunken, or rather utterly bewitched with the delights of this world, either in pomp and honour, or in riches, or else in whoredom, and other looseness. And the other sort think that they have wherewith to make God beholden to them, as we see many hypocrites do, which cannot give over the vain self-trust wherewith they be swollen like toads. Wherefore, to be short, let us mark well this word faith, that the pleasures and ease of this world hold us not back from lifting up our hearts unto God. And that is the very way to fasten our anchor in heaven, for we can never have the said substantialness of faith, which St. Paul speaks of, except we pass swiftly through the world and know that our heritage and resting place is elsewhere than here, and moreover shake off all vain imaginations that may come into our heads, for they serve but to turn us away from Jesus Christ, so as we may not come at him, nor he have any entrance at all unto us. That is the thing which we have to gather upon that text. Now for further confirmation, St. Paul addeth hereupon that we be God's workmanship. He means not this of God's creating of us and of his setting of us in this world, but his meaning is that men, as they be born in Adam, are unmeet for the heavenly life, and that if they think to get anything by that, they deceive themselves so much because they be but as dead creatures, and as carrions, wherein is nothing but rotten filthiness. For proof hereof we need to seek no further matter than this present text, where he saith that we be created in Jesus Christ. Here, therefore, St. Paul maketh a comparison of the double birth that is in all the faithful. For we have all of us one general creation, whereby we live in this world, and God createth us new again, when he vouchsafeth to give us newness of life by his gospel. I mean when he printeth it in our hearts and minds by his own secret working, for the word alone were not enough to do it. So then, as in respect of our first creation, there is no difference between the Jews, the Turks, the heathen men, and us. We are all of us taken out of one lump. We are all the children of Adam. Yea, we are all heirs of God's wrath, and cursed by nature, as we have seen already heretofore. Then, if men examine themselves and search what they be by their first birth, they shall find how there is nothing in us but sin and wickedness, and that the wisdom which we wean ourselves to have is but beastliness, and that the light which we think we have to discern between good and bad is but stubbornness and stark spitefulness against God. And so, you see, we be corrupted in all parts of our soul. Now then, what can we do to find favour at God's hand, and to make him beholden unto us? 
for if we can do nothing but evil, it is but a kindling of his wrath more and more against us. We be worthy of endless death already before we come out of our mother's womb, insomuch that although we perceive not the sin that is in a young babe, yet hath he the seed of it within him, and God avoweth that all of us deserve to be drowned in the bottom of hell. Then, if the little babe be so rightfully condemned aforehand, even ere he have seen the light of the world, what is to be said of us when we be come forth, and do show that we be naughty indeed, and that our nature is altogether sinful? And, when we be come to age, what can we do, as I said afore, to fall to composition with God, so as we might help forward his grace, and that our so doing might be a means to further our salvation? Lo, what St. Paul meaneth by this text, where he saith that we be God's workmanship, as if he should say, Poor creature, thou thinkest to play the doughty fellow in this behalf, by putting thyself forward to allege some deserving, and that thou art able to begin and to approach unto God, so as he on his side must be fain to be beholden unto thee. When beganest thou that? If thou say thou beganest it before thou wert born, thou deservest that men should spit in thy face. If thou say... It was afterward, between the age of seven years and the age of twenty or thirty years, at what time thou wert enlightened with the gospel, thou art on the contrary part sufficiently disproved that thou couldst not have one drop of willingness to do good, but that all thy thoughts and desires were utterly rebellious against God, and as men of war fighting against his righteousness. Therefore thou hast done nothing else but fight against God ever since thou wert born. Again, if thou take it to be from the time that thou wert a little babe, unable to discern between white and black, yet wert thou of the cursed race of Adam, and so turn thee on which side thou wilt, and reason must needs drive thee to perceive that thou wert unable to do anything to Godward, and consequently that all that ever he hath wrought for thy welfare ought to be fathered upon him alone, without challenging any drop thereof to thyself. Thus we see now why St. Paul doth in this text call us the work or workmanship of God, according as it is said in the psalm, that they which were the household folk of his church were also his flock. For there the prophet shoaled out the children of Israel, whom God had gathered together of his own mere goodness to set them aside from other heathen nations. For it is certain that God found none other cause to keep that lineage to himself, or to prefer them before others, save only that he of his own mere mercy had them thereunto. As much is to be said of us at this day, and that which he addeth, namely that we were created in Jesus Christ, ought to touch us yet the more to the quick. For there he showeth that the creating of us in Adam is but a bringing of us to destruction, and therefore that it standeth us in hand to be fashioned and created new again, namely even in Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, as he himself termeth him in the fifth to the Romans, and in the fifteenth of the first to the Corinthians. You see then that this word create is enough to stop the mouths and to put away the cackling of such as brag of the having of any worthiness. For when they say so, it is a presupposing that they were the makers of themselves. He that challengeth to himself any freedom of will and taketh upon him to have any means or ability to do good of himself, it is certain that his meaning is to step into God's place and to show himself to be a creator. But there is no man which abhorreth not such blasphemy. The blindest beetles and maddest bedlams in the world account the word creation as a holy and sacred thing, and will say that God is the very creator or maker of all things, and thou hypocrite confessest the same with thy mouth, and yet thou dost but lie, forasmuch as thou thinkest that thou hast some free will to further thyself to welfare and salvation. And so thou deniest the first article of our faith, for thou makest God but half a creator. So then, they will well enough confess with their mouth that God is the Creator, yea, and as far as the life of this world comes to, they will say they hold it of Him. But now is there a much excellenter life, namely, which we hope for. 
and which we possess already by faith, howbeit that we enjoy it not already now presently, and how much more precious and worthy is that life wherein we shall be partakers of God's glory, than this wayfaring which we make in this world, that is but a shadow that vanisheth away out of hand. Now if ye ask the papists of whom they have the heavenly life, we have it partly in God's grace, say they, and partly of our own free will, forasmuch then as they father some peace thereof upon themselves, and think to part stakes after that fashion with God, we must conclude that they be their own creators. But hereupon they will reply and protest that they never meant any such thing, and that they had liever die than to utter any such blasphemy. Yea, but in the meanwhile, which is the thing of greater value, to create a man's self to be a mortal man in this world, or to purchase everlasting life? St. Paul telleth us that if we can do anything by our own free will and power, God is not fully our creator. But he saith, we be his workmanship, and of his making, yea, even in respect of the heavenly life. It behoveth us to bear that always in mind, for St. Paul speaketh not of this transitory life, but of the inheriting of the kingdom of heaven. We see then that the papists defy God in their pride, like villainous blasphemers as they be. And therefore, for our part, if we mind to be partakers of the grace which is purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, we must be rid clean of all self-weaning, and acknowledge that our beginning to do well springeth of God's vouchsafing to call us to him, and of his preventing of us through his own free goodness. To be short, St. Paul's meaning is that all they which think themselves to have deserved aught at God's hand do bear themselves on hand that they be men of great ability, whereas indeed they be already dead, and are nothing at all. What can a dead man do? And surely we be dead, as I have declared heretofore, till God quicken us again by the means of faith, and by the working of his Holy Spirit. Now if we be dead, what good can we do, or whereunto can we dispose ourselves? Again we be nothing at all, for the word create importeth that all that ever is in us is of God's putting into us. Like as when it is said that he created the world of nothing, it is as much to say as that, as there was not anything at all before that, he gave being to that which was not. Even so, as in respect of the spiritual life that we be created, is as much to say that, as we were nothing at all before. Now if we be nothing, shall we be able to bind God to give us this or that? Are they not things utterly against nature? Then let us mark well that to know how we be saved by mere grace, and that we have all things of God's gift and of his free goodness, we must be fain to come to this point, namely that God gave us our being, according as it is avouched by the example of Abraham in the fourth to the Romans. For in Abraham's body we see what is in our souls. When Jesus Christ was promised to Abraham in his son Isaac, ye know he was a man altogether drooping and barren, and his wife also was far stricken in age. And therefore, that either he on his side should beget, or his wife on her side breed a child, are things impossible. But he believed God, which calleth forth the things that are not, and giveth them being. Seeing then that Abraham was as a withered block, and had no strength nor lustiness in him, and yet notwithstanding receiveth the promise that was made unto him, therein it behoveth us to behold that we cannot be partakers of God's grace, except we acknowledge our own inability, and be first of all utterly abased in ourselves, that our Lord may begin our life and continue the same, till he have brought it to full perfection. Furthermore, let us mark well that his saying in Jesus Christ is to send us back to the corruption which we have by inheritance in Adam, for we can never find in our hearts to yield ourselves guilty till we feel it proceed in ourselves. 
and moreover it serveth to show that this benefit is not common indifferently to all men, but only to those whom God hath chosen, accordingly, as we have seen already, that we were chosen before the making of the world. Now then, this extendeth not generally to all Adam's offspring, but only to so many as are renewed in Jesus Christ. And therefore it is all one, as if St. Paul should show, that we had need of a remedy, for so much as we be already forlorn and damned at such time as God, by the means of Jesus Christ, plucketh us out of the dungeon wherein we were. And this serveth to confirm yet better the thing that we have seen heretofore, which is, that we cannot be faithful, except God make us new again, so as we hold of him all things that belong to the heavenly life, and all the spiritual goods which we have. Now seeing we be created in Jesus Christ, it is all one as if it were said that all the righteousness, all the wisdom, all the virtue, and all the goodness that is in us, we draw it from out of that fountain, and that God scattereth them not abroad at adventure, but hath put the fullness of all things belonging to our salvation into Jesus Christ, insomuch that when we be once made members of his body, we be also made partakers of all his benefits, and that without him we be cut off from all parts of our salvation, as though we were rotten and stinking wretched carcasses, and that there were nothing in us but filth, as I have declared before. Thus ye see what we have to mark further when St. Paul saith that we be not only God's workmanship, but also created in Jesus Christ. Now he addeth to good works which he hath prepared for us to walk in. His setting down of good works in this place is to show what a folly, or rather what a madness and franticness it is in men, to bear themselves in hand, that they can bring good works on their behalf, as who should say, they had them in themselves, or as if they were of their own growing. For needs must God have prepared them, saith he, and that we should have them at his hand. And it is all one, as if he should say, Go to, show here your prowess and virtues, enter a little into account with God, seeing your pride will not be daunted. But ye have always some bristles set still up. Bring forth all that ye think may make for ye. Well, say you, and we will bring our good works, as the papists are wont to do, who allege in this wise. What? How now? Shall we not be saved by our own merits and by our own good works? And whence draw ye them, saith St. Paul? Have ye coined them in your own shop? Or have ye some garden of your own planting, whence to gather them? Or spring they, I wot not how, of your own travail and policy, so as you may further yourselves by them? No, but contrarywise know ye that God hath prepared them. And is it meet that you should fall to replying against him, when he hath pitied you and showed himself bountiful towards you? Is it meet that ye should presume to step forth to pay him, as though ye had wherewith of your own? When a man hath been well kept and tended, and his host hath lent him money at his need, and he hath received it at his hand to pay him withal, shall he afterward boast that he hath paid his host? There is an host that not only is contented to do his charity upon a man, but also, after he hath found him both at bed and at board, will say to him, Hold here wherewith to pay. To the intent it may not seem to you that my charitable dealing hath been to make an underling of you, I will receive payment for it at your hand. Yea, but yet the same shall come out of mine own purse. Now shall he to whom such frankness hath been used go and say, He hath well paid his host? Yea, and with what money? Even with the same money that was put into his hand. So standeth the case with those that put forth their good works to say that God hath not saved them freely, but that they themselves were a help to it. Yea, but where come they by those good works? That was the thing that St. Paul aimed at when he said that God prepared the good works. 
True it is that God prepareth men's conversations by the law, wherein he giveth us a certain rule how to walk according to his will, and it is all one as if he prepared the way for us to go in, as we ought to do. But that would nothing boot us except we received the good works themselves at God's hand. When God commandeth us anything, we may well have our ears beaten with the sound of it, but it will never enter into our hearts, for we be full of pride and naughtiness, and to be short, it is impossible for us to obey God, till he have softened our hearts and utterly changed them. And that is the thing which is declared to us by the prophets, and in all the Holy Scripture. God therefore must be fain to make another preparation, that is to wit, when he hath taught us and told us what is good, and what he liketh of afterward, he must reform us and so guide and govern us by his Holy Spirit, as there may be one accord between our life and his law. Then, until such time as God prepare good works after that fashion, that is to say, till he give us them by showing us his will, and also make us to do them by his power, we must needs be utterly unprofitable. Now, since it is so, let us learn to humble ourselves before God, both for that is past, and also for that that is to come. For that which is past, let us acknowledge that God hath plucked us out of the gulf of hell, and that whereas we were by nature damned, he hath vouchsafed to have us to be his children, and therefore let us not be so overweening as to think that we have this or that, but let him be glorified as he deserveth, and let us assure ourselves that he hath pulled us back from death, to the intent that the beginning, wellspring, root, and only cause of our salvation should proceed of his only free bestowed goodness. Thus you see in effect that it is a point of true humility to give all the glory of our salvation unto God, and for that which is to come it behoveth to know that we could not stir one of our fingers to do any good except we were governed by God, and received the good works themselves at the hand of him and of his Holy Spirit. So then, as oft as we feel our own weakness, let us flee to him for refuge, and when we have done any good, let it not puff us up with any pride, but let us always think ourselves so much the more straitly bound unto God, yea, even by double. He that is yet very weak must confess himself exceedingly bound unto God's mercy, for bearing with him. But he that goeth afore others, and is as a mirror of all holiness, must confess himself much more bound unto him. For why? He hath nothing of his own, he holdeth all things of God, and of his only free goodness. Wherefore, let us all our life long walk in such sort, as we may still from year to year, from moonth to moonth, from day to day, from hour to hour, and from minute to minute, continually acknowledge ourselves bound unto God, for the goodness which he hath given us of his own mere mercy, and let us think ourselves beholden to him for all things. And let us mark, by the way, for a conclusion, that St. Paul's intent here is not to decipher all the causes of our salvation one by one, but to abate men's lustiness that they might not make any brags or any countenance that God is in their debt. Therefore it is enough for St. Paul to have stopped all men's mouths in such wise as they may not take upon them to have aught of their own. For contrarywise, whensoever God giveth us good works, although they be the fruits of his mere goodness, yet can they not purchase us anything at his hand. For we must always ground and settle ourselves upon the forgiveness of our sins. There lieth all our righteousness." To be short, there are two things requisite in yielding God the praise that is due for our salvation. First, that we acknowledge ourselves to have all things of him. And secondly, that we acknowledge that all the good works and all the good will which he hath given us already serve not to purchase us favour at his hand, nor for us to trust upon, but to show us that he had need to uphold us, and to bury and forget all our sins, and that by that means we be justified before him, because he acquitteth us, notwithstanding that we deserve to be condemned a hundred times. 
So then, to be short, when it is told us that there is neither free will nor anything else in man, it is to the end we should learn to give all glory unto God, and not have any cause to vaunt ourselves any more. And that afterward, upon the knowing thereof, we should understand that we should be in continual trouble and perplexity, were it not that we be sure that we shall always obtain grace and mercy by coming to God with tears and lamenting. And how so? Because he vouchsafeth to acquit us, and although he could thunder down upon us and drown us, yet he buryeth our sins by means of our Lord Jesus Christ, and receiveth us always to mercy. Thus then ye see how men ought in all points and in all cases to be confounded in themselves, and to be ashamed of their own lewdness, that they may glorify God, and therewithal acknowledge that they should always be in doubt and anguish, but that God doth evermore pity them, and the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ is the sacrifice whereby we be reconciled to him. That therefore is the true way to uphold and avow God to be the Saviour of the world, and that also is the way for us to father all things upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he deserveth namely by raising and putting quite away all the glorying which we pretend to have in ourselves and thereupon to confess not only that all the goodness which is in us is of god's putting into us but also that he must be fain to bear with our infirmities because we cease not to provoke his wrath till he make that satisfaction available which was made by the death and passion of our lord jesus christ but now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good god with acknowledgment of our sins praying him to make us to feel them more and more till we be so pulled down as there may be no more show of sin in us and that in the meanwhile we may nevertheless seek the aid and help of our lord jesus christ and that forasmuch as he hath partly enlightened us already by his holy spirit it may please him to increase his grace in us more and more till he have communicated it wholly unto us and in the meantime so uphold us and govern us by his holy spirit as our whole endeavour may be nothing else but to frame our life after his holy law, and he not pass upon the great number of our sins which we commit, never ceasing to stray away to our own undoing, but hold us back by his secret power, until he take us away out of this world and join us with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the fountain of all perfection, that we also may be perfect in him. And so let us say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 11